0: Bible reading is uh, from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. It's the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, (laughs) Brenda. Good morning, everyone. Is it me, or do I sound very loud? Very loud. Could I ask our wonderful sound team if we could... Bring me down a notch or two. Thank you. Well, it is very wonderful to be with you, and uh, a great congratulations to the Lanahan family on um, that wonderful time together celebrating the arrival of young Toby. And uh, what a great thing it is to be able to gather together as families, as uh, the church family. Our family got together recently and watched um, Her Majesty's Jubilee um, as members of the Commonwealth, as we ought, as... um, English folk, and uh, it was extraordinary watching this tribute um, by which I mean that there were members of uh, the Queen's Guard and all those serving in her military, uh, members of the Air Force and the Army and the Naval Service, and uh, we saw these extraordinary marches and uh, the, the magic of music. There were veterans of uh, World War II and numerous other conflicts throughout the years. Uh, there were also members of um, the police force and the ambulance service and uh, the Fire Brigade, and uh, we had gathered together online with men and women, young and old, and uh, united in this event to honor the reign of Her Majesty the Queen. Gathered uh, very diverse, I felt, in terms of presentation and in terms of background, uh, but unified in a common purpose, to honor Her Majesty and to honor her commitment to the common good over a great number of years in service. And as I was reflecting on this commonwealth gathered together to honor a monarch, what made my heart sing was to be reminded over the many years that Her Majesty spoke of her king, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom she has enduring faith. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we look around this room, we see diversity in attire and in age and stage, but we also see unity, do we not, of purpose, that we seek to gather together to honour the Lord Jesus Christ for the common good. And I have one big idea that I'd like us to take away this morning, and it is this, that the Spirit of God gives each one gifts to be deployed for the common good. Uh, We're continuing in our series, as uh, Shane alerted us to, uh, called Bodybuilding, uh, in the uh, 12th chapter of the first letter that Paul wrote that we have to the Corinthians. And uh, we were thinking about what this means to be building the body of Christ here at Fig Tree Anglican Church. We did discover last week that um, whilst uh, there was a distinction between natural and supernatural gifts... It was not those supernatural gifts like tongues and healing and prophecy that determined whether somebody was indeed um, full of the Spirit of God, but rather our confession that Jesus is Lord. Somebody has the Spirit of God when they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised them, uh, raised him. I'm sorry, from the dead. And then next we discovered that followers of Jesus have been given a variety of gifts, that each and every one of us has at least one gift from God that was described in the beginning of this chapter as a grace gift. So I'm going to ask God to help us as we come to these verses, verses 7 to 11, um, by the power of His Spirit who is with us, and I'd love you to join me in prayer as we ask God to reveal to us things that he would have us know. So shall we pray? Our Father God, we do rejoice to be gathered together. It is so heartening to hear that every day you are adding thousands upon thousands of people to your family as we await the return of the Lord Jesus. We do add the weight of our prayers for uh, young Toby and his family that there would never be a day that Toby does not know the love of the Lord Jesus in all its fullness. And we pray, Father God, that as we come before your word, that we would set our hearts under it, that we would submit ourselves to the direction of your spirit, that we might learn to think your thoughts after you, and that we would see this working out in our lives individually and together, that we would look more like Jesus day by day. And we beg these things of you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, of course, as we come to these verses, there's um, a very helpful structure um, that Paul gives us because this is a coherent, intelligible letter. Verse 7 takes us to see the big picture of God's purposes for his church. And then verses 8 to 9 talk about uh, the grace gifts specifically and how followers of Jesus can be involved in sharing those gifts for the common good and then finally, verse 11 brings us back to think more about how God's people are equipped by him for the common good. But if you turn with me to verse 7, you'll see these words written here, and this is my first point of three, entitled, All for One. It says this, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So first thing that Paul wants us to notice here is that to each and every one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have at least one gift. Nobody has all the gifts, but you have at least one gift. And God has gifted you and each and every one of us for ministry and works of service in the church. In other words, no matter how you feel, Or no matter what you think, there's not one amongst us who's been left without a present under the Christmas tree. Each and every one of us has a gift. And I know that for some of us, it does not always feel that way. We gather together here this morning and we look at our wonderful musos and we sing along with them. And we can say to ourselves very easily, oh, look at Greg and the team. They're incredibly gifted musically. Or we might perhaps um, listen to Shane or Langdon and say to ourselves, these folks are really gifted in preaching the Word of God. And so we might say to ourselves, I don't have such an evident gift to share for the common good. But I want us to look at these words in verse 7 where God says to us, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit has been given, and to believe those words. To believe them by faith. To believe them in the same way that we believe when we read that the Son of God, Jesus, went to death on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. In the same way that we believe the words that Jesus is the only one who can bring about reconciliation between people and our Father in heaven to believe these words in the same way that we believe when we read that Jesus is indeed resurrected from the dead and alive and ruling now at the right hand of God and gives us the assurance that he will come to take us to be with him. In the same way as we believe these things concerning our death and future, we can believe these words about our life together now. So I want to say that if you feel like for some reason you've missed out on a gift, from God, actually God promises you here that each and every one has been gifted for his ministry and for his works of service. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given. And secondly, you notice here that we read the manifestation of the Spirit. You remember last week when we had a look at these words in chapter 12, verses 4 to 6, that we were described uh, as having different gifts, but the same Spirit, different servicing, uh, services, but, but the same Lord, and different workings, but the same God. And I think what Paul's doing here is he's taking all those and bundling them up into one expression, the manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, if somebody confesses Jesus as Lord, we will see these grace gifts working together in our lives. But again, I come back to this point that for some of us, we may think or feel that we don't have any particular gifts to contribute to the common good. What do we do then? Well, I want to say first things first. If you feel that that's you, ask God. (laughs) Ask Him to show you what your gift is that can contribute to the common good. And then I want to encourage you, and I made this a point of application last week, but I want to say it again, because it comes out of the text here, let's encourage one another to see in each one those gifts. So if you're not sure what your gift is, talk to a trusted friend, or a member of your family who knows you well. What do you think it is that I'm good at that I could contribute to the church body? And thirdly and finally, I want to say that if that doesn't work for you, just give it a shot. There's lots of things that you can try. I can tell you on the ministry team, uh, lots of you come and make suggestions to us, and that's great. Uh, Some of you, we do try and hose down a bit, but for the most part, we're very welcoming for those who want to try something, and we do, I assure you, pray for you. So on the one hand, I think Paul doesn't let us get away with being either a spectator or a passenger. But nor, on the other hand, does he let us be a hoarder or consumer of gifts. He also wants to say that if you have a gift and you're not contributing it to the common good, what's the value? You're just keeping it all to yourself. There's an opportunity for us when we are gifted to share those gifts within the body for the common good because he made each and every one of us with the manifestation of the Spirit To what end? The common good. These gifts are not given for the sake of ourselves. They're given for the sake of the body of Christ, the body of believers, the church for whom Jesus laid down his life's blood. He sacrificed himself, the Son of God, for you and for me as his body And so he longs for us to be sacrificial in the sharing of the gifts that we have for the common good. Uh, You might know that wonderful book by um, Damas, The Three Musketeers. Do you know it? Three characters in there, Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. D'Artagnan did not come till much later. But those three soldiers were in service of the king. That was their first calling. They were committed as the king's musketeers, and their effectiveness in this role was determined by their commitment not only to the king, but secondly also to one another. You remember their motto? All for one. Thank you. That's right, all for one and one for all, because they were committed to serving the king but they could only achieve that purpose where they were committed to one another. And there are extraordinary uh, stories and stories of how they achieved that together, living for the good of one another. And I have to say that, again, at least one gift has been given to each of us, in some instances many, and those are for the common good. So whatever your gift is, it is for the common good. Whether it's a natural gift Or a supernatural gift. So, in order for those gifts to be shared, first things first, we have to be here. It's great that you're here, and I want to say that it's great that a number of us still gather together online. Uh, During the course of the week, uh, we're seeing the regular figures come back, and there's at least a hundred or so of you every week who gather with us virtually but I want to say that this is a great opportunity to come back or come along because of course there's always limitations on how we can share our gifts for the good of everyone else if we're not physically together I want to also suggest that when we gather together in our life groups that's a great space within which to share our gifts with one another for the common good and I do understand that we all have commitments I understand that the pressure's back on. You know what it's like since COVID? I don't know about you, but we just seem to have found that people are getting so busy so quickly and that we have school commitments and sport commitments. But I want to say that first and foremost, our commitment is to the Lord Jesus Christ as King and rather like the musketeers, to one another as the church. The benefits that we get when we commit to one another are so many aren't they? Firstly, we have the joy of being able to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ together in song and with one another, looking at one another's smiling faces. We get to sharpen one another in our understanding of the Word of God through knowledge and wisdom. We get to encourage one another in our walk with Jesus when some of us are feeling joy-filled and others of us are feeling a little more despairing. We can care for one another in the struggles and the sadnesses of life and comfort one another in our sicknesses and our sufferings. We can embrace one another when we are grieving the loss of loved ones. And can I also say, and you know this, right? That when we just get to sit together and look into one another's eyes, we look at people precious brothers and sisters in Christ, whom we're going to spend eternity with. It's good practice, and it's a good practice. Well, <clears throat> there we are. The manifestation of the Spirit has been given to each one for the common good. Let's have a little look now at what it means by way of the message and the means of His Spirit, verses 8 to 10. Now this list that's in front of us is quite a long list. Um, I've got it written up on screen for us in a nice easy to read structure but there's nine specific gifts that are mentioned here and I want us to have a little think about this list as a whole and think about it in relation to some of the other gifts as well. So you'll see that on screen Paul says that the gifts are uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, kinds of tongues, and interpretations of tongues. That's nine gifts. We want to ask ourselves, well, is this list an exhaustive list? Is this list, got a, has it got an essential order to it? Well, I think that when we look to the end of the chapter, we'll see in verse 28 that there's another list, and on that list, there's apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, helps, administration, and kinds of tongues. And then when we go to the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 12, we see that there's prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and showing mercy. Can you see what's happening here? It's different gifts, and they're in different orders. And then when we go to the other letter that he wrote to the Ephesians and to the letter that Peter wrote, we see there's gifts of speaking and service and apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastor, teachers, and music – And we can say to ourselves, firstly, that it's clear that this list in chapter 12 is not exhaustive. We've seen already in verses 4 to 6 that God's gifts are many and varied. And I think what he wants us to have here is not a full list, but a sample list. Uh, Secondly, this list is not essential. I'll move on to the next screen now. Thanks, Philip. Okay, that wasn't what I was expecting, but we'll, we'll keep going. Um, it's not essential, because if you think about it, when you look at the, lift, uh, the gift of prophecy, in the first list it comes sixth, in the second list it comes second, and in the third list it comes first, and they're all written by Paul. So we've got to be thinking about why he's done that. It must be something to do with the particular context of what he's discussing with the Corinthians, right? And thirdly, I think it's important for us to notice that he doesn't seem to make a distinction between what we would describe as natural and supernatural gifts. Uh, When we look at this list in chapter 12, the first two items are ministry of the word by way of the message of wisdom and the message of knowledge, and then goes on to the gift of faith. He then describes healing and miraculous powers and prophecy and distinguishing spirits. Some of those natural, supernatural. It's a little bit hard to work some of these out sometimes, right? But what we do see is that he puts the supernatural gifts of tongues and the interpretation of tongues at the very bottom of the list. Why would he do that? Because I think he's dealing with that particular problem in Corinth. They came, and you remember last week, said these supernatural gifts are what we're seeking, and they're special. And Paul's saying, wait a minute, these supernatural uh, gifts can be at the bottom of my list. Why? Because I'm not sure that they can quite as easily be applied for the common good. Now, I will come back to that point, but for now, what I want us to notice is that Paul takes both the natural and and the supernatural gifts, and he puts them together in the same list, and he says the clear and intelligible preaching of the Word of God is first and foremost in his mind. That's where he starts, and that's where he will take us. Now, just before I get to the uh, thinking about what this might mean for us as a church here at Fig Tree, I want to just make my final point from verse 11 which is the kind of other point in relation to all for one and thank you. All these gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. You see what he does there? He basically reiterates what he said in verse 7. He just articulates it a bit differently. He says, each of us has a gift, and all these gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit. Nobody has a monopoly on spiritual gifts, nobody's missed out on spiritual gifts, we've all been gifted differently, we've all been equipped differently, each of us has different manifestations of the Spirit, but it is the same Spirit who graciously gives each and every gift. So the Spirit gives each one gifts to be deployed for the common good. And I think that's pretty much it in the package, we've just now got to think about a few things for what that might mean for us as a church locally. What does it mean to be bodybuilding here at Fig Tree Anglican Church? Well, I think the first thing to say is this, that Paul has said it is important for a message of wisdom, which is, I think, the application of knowledge, and a message of knowledge to be central, a clear and intelligible articulation of the Word of God, which is what I hope we achieve here together, week in, week out, when we come together and hear the sermon. I hope it's what we achieve together when we get together in our life groups and we have leaders who are prayerfully and carefully prepared to do a study of God's Word together. But I also on the other hand want to honour all the gifts and I want to speak particularly about this gift called tongues. Now I'm hoping that this will be a little provocative I'm hoping that we might take some conversations away with us over morning tea. So let me say this. Firstly, I think there's a bit of confusion about what Paul means by tongues here. Some people have said that tongues is a kind of ecstatic or delirious, almost transcendental experience. Something that takes the speaker into a kind of another place. But I don't think that's possible. And the reason for this is because in chapter 14, Paul very clearly states that he expects the tongue speaker to exercise self-control. So under God, the person speaking a tongue can choose whether to speak or whether to stop speaking, and so has control over themselves. So I don't think it can be kind of this ecstatic experience to get lost in. I don't think Paul leaves that open to us. Secondly, some people think this is the ability to speak in an unfamiliar human language. In fact, some people here say that this might refer to the tongues that were spoken in the event of Pentecost that's described for us in Acts chapter 2. But I've been reading Acts chapter 2 and my sense is that the, the extraordinary supernatural aspect of what's taking place there is the ability of those who gather to hear the gospel preached to them in their own tongues. So I'm not sure that that is the same gift that Paul is describing here. It doesn't seem to be a natural fit. You might show me otherwise afterwards, but I don't think so. Some people here say that Paul is referring to non-human tongues. That is the language of angels mentioned at the beginning of chapter 13, where he says, if I speak in the tongues of men or the tongues of angels... But again, Paul in that chapter begins to talk about the centrality of love rather than the particularity of the tongue or what we're doing with those grace gifts of God. And so given the fact Paul doesn't make a distinction between the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, I don't think we can apply that distinction ourselves in what he's talking about with tongues here. Let's face it, how many of you speak French? How many of you speak German? Is there anybody in here who speaks Swahili? <laughs> Thanks, Neil. You could school us a bit later when we finish up. So, thank Look, there's a lot of language speakers here, aren't there? But I think I've just noted that nobody's put their hand up for Swahili. So if somebody were to come in here and start speaking Swahili, do you think that we would understand what they're saying? That's a human tongue, right? Do you think if somebody came in here and started to speak in an angelic tongue or an historic human tongue? Studies, the Students of Hebrew and Greek don't chip in here. But, But it would be very difficult for us to understand what's being said. And Paul wants for the gospel to be spoken clearly and intelligibly. Now let me say that I don't believe that there is any biblical evidence to dismiss the possibility that God still chooses to give this grace gift of tongues today. Indeed, the experience of many people suggests that this gift is alive and well. In fact, I know that some people here at Victory Anglican Church speak or pray in tongues. Question is, when there are visible preachers and visible musicians and visible prayers and visible administrators, why do we not have visible tongue speakers in our gathering here today? <clears throat> Once upon a time I visited a congregation, I was not a believer at the time, I was a teen, and a number of people stood up and started speaking in another language which was described as tongues. I have to confess that I found it very weird. I found it confusing. As I reflected back in the years that followed, I found myself being quite cynical because I think that when that sort of thing happens, that can be our first response. I I know that for some other people, because I've been talking with folks about this, their response would have been one of comfort, could have been one of celebration. But I have to say that also the response that can come if somebody were to start speaking in a supernatural tongue, is one of covetousness. Why is it, God, that you've only given me natural gifts when you appear to have given somebody else supernatural gifts? I want to go some way to describing what I think is going on here. Firstly, Paul describes this gift as being a gift not in the same way as clear communication of his word for the common good. In other words, it doesn't appear to be that a tongue that is not understood is for the common good unless it were to have the interpretation to go with it. My experience of tongue speaking and tongue speakers seems to reflect this that tongue speakers tend to have more of a personal use of this gift or express it privately or within a smaller gathering of God's people in a way that is, for want of a better expression, safe personal space. It is not just a gift for the good of the individual in their relationship with God, because it can be a prayer or articulation for others and on behalf of others. Secondly, this is a gift that can cause division and jealousy rather than unity and common good because the very fact that Paul has had to speak to it in this manner warns us not to fall into the Corinthian trap of thinking that it is a special gift, because it is a supernatural gift. So, I just want to test something with you. If I were to say to you, well, I speak in tongues, what's your immediate response to that? I imagine there are questions in your mind. Do you? do you have a gift of interpretation to go with that, Robin, so that it's intelligible? Or you might find yourself thinking that if you have received such a gift, I wonder whether this gift is a better gift than my natural gifts. So I think Paul is really cautioning the Corinthians in terms of their desire for the supernatural and the way in which sometimes it can eclipse then the value of natural gifts for the common good. Um, there's a lot of gifts is listed here. There's, there's the gift of healing, there's the gift of prophecy. Um, brothers and sisters, I want to create space for us to talk about these with one another a little later. I, I've got lots that I could say, but um, I think what I want to say is that, in summary, the advantage that... A message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, and a clear word of prophecy has over something like tongues is that it is clear and intelligible and grows the people of God in faith for our common good. Like I hope I'm doing right now. God's given us all grace gifts. Uh, We have all been gifted to be able to serve him and serve his church. I want to leave us with a little something to reflect on that we can all do. You remember last week we had uh, the Richardsons share on how we can get better at welcoming. That's something we can all do. This week, uh, I want to remind us that we're all encouraged to participate in hospitality. And I'm going to show us a little video that was filmed with our dear sister, Trudy Faulkner. And she's going to share some ideas about how we, each and every one of us, can be more hospitable to one another and our friends and neighbors so let's watch this short movie
2: so i think um hospitality is incredibly important not just because i love it because i do it comes naturally to me but because i feel it's relational and god asks us to do it he doesn't just say just do it if you feel you're gifted And there's lots of obstacles to that. Some of those are internal obstacles that you hear. Often people might say, oh, but we're introverted or we like our own time. Um, I'm single and I'm living in a flat, but once I'm married and I've got a a nice house, then I'll do it. You know, things like that. Or I've got a dog that might scare people. Um, Whatever it is, the obstacles, there's always um, ways around that. Um, and I think that Satan wants you to hold on to all those obstacles. He wants you to think, no, I can't do it, I, I can't afford it at the moment or we're renovating at the moment and our house is not very nice, so um, not now. So, yeah, as my health declined and I didn't have as much energy um, and I was in hospital a lot and not, you know, didn't have the, the same means that we did, we changed it instead of having several families at once. We'd have, say, let's pick a family who's been at the church for a while and let's pray that we'll find a new family at church and so we can just invite them home and say look we've just got some pumpkin soup in the fridge we'll get some stop and get some bread rolls on the way home it's no trouble just come um, and we would just say look just come just for a couple of hours or we'd say um, look we'll just get some browning on the way home um, and come for coffee and cake or come for some board games or ice cream or cheese and crackers keep it simple so just want to um, talk about how to keep it simple. So make it realistic for yourself. You don't have to have a show home. Um, Prepare what you can ahead. Always have something at hand, even if it's just some slice. I've always got slice on my buffet, so that if someone knocks on the door, I can have a nice cup of tea and coffee and um, offer some cake. There's always something on rotation that I can whip up quickly. And there's nothing that's gonna stop us stopping and getting a couple of barbecue chickens on the way home, some bread rolls and some coleslaw. Um, Don't worry about the things like the floor being clean and all those kind of things, because after people here for a few minutes, they're not going to notice it. Um, If I had a final point um, to end on, is that God loves a cheerful giver, in whatever form that comes. And sometimes it is taxing um, for the kids. They might say, we don't want to have people around here today. We're tired. Um, And it is, you know, you do get the house a little bit prepared for it. But every time that they've gone, whether we can afford it financially or not in time, money, energy, when people, when we're waving them off and we say goodbye, we go, that was worth it. It really it blesses us as much as it blesses them, but keep the focus on them. Don't keep yourself busy doing other things because the idea of having them people over is to get to know them and make them feel good about themselves when they leave.
1: There we go. Some wonderful ideas from Trudy. Oh, look at that. Praise God for for Trudy. Can I um, encourage you to be praying for the Faulkner family this week? Um, Those of you who know Trudy will know that her capacity has been much diminished in recent times and uh, she's been in hospital this week and um, she and Steve have asked for prayer for the family as they adjust. Um, What can I say to finish after that? Well, the reality is that we look around at one another and there's diversity. Unity in our commitment to Christ, diversity in the gifts that God has given us. We can all do something, at the very least be hospitable. There's actually a special event on the 23rd and 24th of July coming up called Gather Round, where if you're not organised, you can even do it on that weekend and have a chance to be hospitable where we've got a chance to invite one another round to one another's houses. Um, But I leave it with you to consider this, that our diversity and our look and our giftedness is met by unity in our faith in Jesus. Let's ask him to help us deploy those grace gifts he's given us the common good. I'm going to pray. Father God, we do thank you so much for giving us your Son, Jesus, who surrendered his life on a cross, undeserving though he was of death, in our place to bring forgiveness for our sins and to reconcile us to you, our Father in heaven, for all eternity. We thank you that this is the context within which we respond with joy and thanksgiving, to know that we can be committed to deploying those grace gifts you've given us in service of the common good. Um, Not simply for a cause, uh, not even for a person who's bigger than ourselves, as much as we um, rejoice in the opportunity to celebrate the Jubilee for Her Majesty the Queen, we thank you that we are committed to the one who is the King of kings and queens, and the Lord of lords, for we are the body of Christ. All for one, and one for all, for your glory. Amen. Thank you.